Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Ave Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson, and I'm here with Flight Corporal Nadim Elgazar. Hello, everyone. And Flight Corporal Aiden Paul. How's it going? And as always, we are going to be your hosts. Now, for this week's episode of the Ave Geeks podcast, we have a pretty interesting topic. It's going to be the international pilot shortage. This has been a big topic in a lot of the news, a lot of different media, documentaries, all that in recent years. So we're going to be addressing, is it true? And if so, how bad is it? So first and foremost, we can say, yes, it is 100% a real thing, and it is pretty bad. Um Right now, I know a lot of companies were uh, a couple hundred pilots short. I probably shouldn't say right now, before the pandemic. Um, But it is expected that after the pandemic is over, those numbers will go back to what they were before. So hundreds of pilots short. So hundreds of pilots are going to be needed. For sure. And obviously, the pandemic had an effect that we didn't need many pilots, and they obviously laid off pilots. But obviously, like I it's proven that Canadians and obviously people all over the world are going to travel after the pandemic and they're going to need pilots, but they will most likely still have a shortage. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Right after the pandemic ends, I guarantee it. There will be a massive surge in people traveling all around the globe. Exactly. So if you've ever wanted to become a pilot, there's no better time than right now. Cause with all the vaccines rolling out with less and less cases every day, it is looking like we're going to be returning to travel any day now. But with all that said, let's talk about what is causing the shortage. So first of all, the cost of becoming a pilot, because I don't think a lot of people realize how expensive it actually is. So first of all, it is not required, but pilots that have a college degree are greatly favored over pilots that don't. Now, the average cost of a college degree in the United States is $133,000. Hold on, so, I'm going to have a calculator out, and I will let you guys know the cost of becoming a pilot at the end. Well, I do have that written down here. I calculated this before we recorded this. All right, no problem. Um, but I should clarify right now, everything we're doing is in pre-pandemic U.S. dollars because um, those were the easiest sources I could find for the Americans. I did find a few for Canadians, but nothing was really uniform. And the Americans were the best sources I could find. Now, so after they get their um, college degree, they're going to need a private pilot's license, which requires 35 hours of flight. So these flight hours will cost about 140 bucks per hour, which after the 35 hours will work up to $4,900. Now, that is just the flight hours. That is not to mention all of the classes, all of the books, all of the lessons that they're going to have to take. But all total, all added up, the cost of getting a private pilot's license can be anywhere between $8,000 and $14,000. Okay, if I could jump in. Mm-hmm. We, if you already have a degree, if you paid for that degree and got your pilot's license, not even guaranteeing a job, you already spent around $145,000. That's... And we're, we're not even halfway there yet. You're not exactly. halfway to begin a pilot yet. There's still a lot more stuff you got to do. For sure. And you're not nope. even, you just have a private pilot's license. It's not... Yeah. So when we say private pilot's license, this doesn't mean like you fly private jets. This doesn't mean you fly the um, big airplanes. This means you can fly a single engine propeller airplane. 
So yeah, you've already spent quite a lot of money and you haven't gotten very far. So after this, a pilot will need to have 15 hours of instruction in order to get an instrument rating. They will also need to get an additional 215 hours of flight time. So these additional 230 hours of flight time will cost about $24,400. That is pretty insane. For sure. And these are just hours that you don't even spend like really obviously you benefit off of the experience but you're not really learning like a crazy ton during those 215 hours or just to pass sort of a bar mm -hmm. now um so when i said this was all added up at uh, twenty four thousand dollars, that was not including uh transportation housing books all the other required equipment and so with that, the price of getting a commercial pilot license comes up to about $32,400. So yeah, we're already pretty high up there. We're, we're very deep in debt if you're trying to get a pilot's license. So I actually have it written down here. So far, we are up to over $165,000 in education costs. Now, at this point, a pilot is still not able to fly for most airlines like Air Canada, KLM, or Delta. To do that, they need an airline transport pilot license. And to get one, they're usually required to get about 1,500 flight hours. So if the pilots were to pay for this flight time themselves, it would cost about $135,000 just in rental fees. That is, again, without the storage of the aircraft, the fuel, um, the transportation, get into an airfield, the housing. So again, you can see we are up to a very massive amount of money. I, I can say we just to pay for your plane and the other stuff that we've done so far, you're up to $313,000, which I don't know. I don't even know if at this point, like just, you're not even flying for a major airliner yet. So, or maybe you, maybe at this point you got to it, but that's still not a lot of money. You're not making that much. Like you have to obviously pay for everything that you do. So you're in yeah, debt. So for this with uh, 1500 hours, most of the time you won't see a pilot just rent an aircraft and fly for that. They'll typically get a job at a smaller company that, you know, toes banners, flies, uh, skydiving planes, or they operate smaller airlines that, you know, only have, single-engined aircraft that they can actually fly but again those don't typically make a lot of money working for one of those now after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and being in school continuously for almost a quarter of their life a pilot can start working for a major airline but how much money do they actually make at this first stage in their career well drum roll please once you start working at a major airline in North America, the average starting salary for a first year first officer is between $28,000 and $35,000 per year. Early minimum wage. I, I don't yes, know that, if that's US minimum wage. I'm not sure what's um, Well, I know Canadian is, uh, I, I believe, slightly higher or similar to the American minimum wage, but I did do a calculation of this beforehand and the average minimum wage is usually about $30,000 a year. So after going through all this schooling, you're now hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt 
and you are barely making more than minimum wage. It is easy to see at this point why there is a shortage of pilots. It's pretty obvious, I think. Just, yeah. like You're already around $300,000 in debt and you're making minimum wage and you have to probably feed yourself, if not feed others, paying for your housing and everything. This, like, if you just want to pay off for your schooling, you would have to be working for nine years. But obviously, you're not just paying off schooling. You're paying off everything around you. Exactly. So if you buy a house, you're now paying for that house. Car, um, stuff like that. Like, I hear people complain about student loans a lot. Airline student loans, like, to become an airline pilot are a lot worse than that. I would be complaining if I had student loans that I had to pay off for just nine years if I didn't do anything else, which obviously I do. So, right. Exactly. Now, let's consider for a moment that a pilot is only paid for the time that they're behind the controls of an airborne aircraft. So I've told this to quite a few people and they always look at me really stunned. They're like, well, yeah, of course. Isn't that how a pilot should get paid? But think about the hours of preparation they have to do on the ground when they are not paid. When people are boarding and getting off the plane, they're not paid. When they're planning for that flight, which can sometimes take two or three hours for only a one-hour flight, they are not paid. If they have to drive over an hour to get to the airport, they are not paid for that. So um, they might only be in the air for one hour, but they could be doing upwards of three or four hours of preparation just to get to that point. And they're only paid for that one hour. Yeah, in my opinion, if you live far from an airport, I don't even think one hour of flying is even worth it because you got to like, I think that you're preparing for your flight way more than that hour of flight. So. Well, that is actually, um, I'm going to bring that up right now because we're going to talk about seniority, but that is why you see the more senior pilots who have the most experience and thus the most leverage on their own careers flying the very long haul routes because it's much better to do three hours of planning for seven or eight hours of flying as compared to just one hour of flying. Right. Um, that's also to mention that they fly to the most interesting places all over the world. Whereas when you're first starting off, you're probably going to be commuting in uh, uh, just small uh, domestic destinations. So that is uh, another thing that will get people not interested in flying because a lot of people say they want to be a pilot because they want to travel the world. You're really not going to be traveling the world that much in your first few years as a pilot. For sure. If I could add to that, some people have said that like flying domestic wouldn't be that bad, but we live in Canada and there aren't many huge airports. There like there are well, a few, but it's... you like if I could say, but like if you're if you're just flying, if you're like doing that for five years, I don't know about anyone else, but I would get bored of just flying like to well, these. Well it's few it's airports. not only that, but think about how how little you're actually gonna get to spend in those cities. You yeah. fly there. You do all the flight planning, you fly back. Most of the time, you're not going to leave the airport. Hell, you might not even leave the airplane. You might land and then fly right back. That's unfortunate. Right, not to mention, pretty sure Canada has like less than 10 like really major airports. There's, sure, there's, this Toronto, there's the one in Toronto, Montreal, and like say Victoria, but that's really all the, it's really the only super big airports in the country. Yeah, for sure. So like, I do just want to- isn't big and stuff like that, so it's not yeah. I do want to put this into perspective, though, a little bit. So 
Let's say that a pilot is working for four days. A long haul pilot might fly from Toronto to London, England, which is a seven hour flight round trip. And the pilot will be flying for 14 hours. Now a domestic pilot will usually be flying shorter flights that might be about one hour long. So an example of this is Toronto to Montreal or Toronto to Ottawa. Now over this four day time period, it is reasonable to estimate that this pilot will fly this route about 14 times. So as such, they'll get paid for 14 hours of work. Um, but also the international long haul pilot will also get paid for 14 hours of work. That is not considering though, that because the short haul pilot has to do more planning for all of these different flights, he is for all of his time, either eating, sleeping, flying, or planning for a flight. Whereas the long haul pilot will, he'll go to London, he'll have one or two days off to do whatever he wants, and then he'll fly back. That is definitely a lot better. And they'll get paid the exact same for that route. And if I could add, I don't think you'll be making money for 14 hours of flight over four days or three days. But a long haul, if you're doing from Toronto to London, you'll be making that in about three days or four days. And that's just that just goes to show like why like seniority really matters in an airline. Right. And there, there are a lot of people who will say, oh, I can get to that pretty quickly. It sometimes take pilots years or even decades to get up to the position where they can start doing the more interesting routes all around the world. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about retirement. So pilots are required to retire when they reach the age of 65. Current statistics show that over 2,000 pilots will retire this year alone. That is insane. This if number is ask, also growing. Are these, are these pandemic numbers? Because maybe more are retiring. Yeah, these ones were from the pandemic. These for are sure. numbers from during the pandemic. I know we said we'd use pre-pandemic numbers, but for this one, I could only find a, a pandemic one, which I think and is interesting. If I could say that number kind of makes sense because I think they now realize how unstable their job can really be just because who knows how long like variants could come or something like that. I think they're more motivated to go for just to play it safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, agreed. This, this number is also rising every single year. It is predicted that over 260,000 new pilots will be required in the next 10 years if the aviation industry continues growing at the rate it's at. Now, this is despite the massive hit that the industry took during COVID-19. So I think... If this pandemic had not happened, we would be in a much worse problem. Like, I don't want to say this really helped, but it sort of did slow down the effect of the pilot shortage. Right. And finally, there is another massive reason that fewer people are becoming commercial pilots, the military. That's now... Yeah, when you look at all the facts for the military, it is pretty obvious to see why so many people choose to go and fly fighter jets or helicopters or anything like that for the military. First of all, the military will pay for all of your education. For all of the military academies in Canada and the United States, tuition is free, but instead of paying, the students commit to years of service. But I mean, if you're going to the military, you've sort of already wanted to commit to service anyway, right? So right. 
that doesn't exactly seem like much of a downside. Exactly. If you're like, I'm like, I want to be a fighter pilot. What's the issue of me doing seven years of that? If that's what I want to be. And they, and in Canada, I'm not sure like if the, it gets paid for in the United States, but in Canada, people go through the Royal Military College of Canada for a couple of reasons and they get paid. They like the starting salary is $26,000 per year. So you're gaining $26,000 instead of going $26,000 of debt for just flying hours that you have to gain to be a commercial pilot. Right. Exactly. And in the United States, it's, uh, I believe, about $12,000 a year. So that is lower. But still, considering you are getting free housing, free education, free food, plus you're getting $12,000 a year on top of that, that is not a bad deal at all. And if I could say, since you already got your degree and your pilot's license, people actually are committed to go through the military before going commercially. So they avoid all this debt and they just get, and they obviously they have to work for and their seniority in the commercial field is lower, but well, exactly that. that A great example of that was the guy we interviewed last week, uh, Captain Kent Smurden. He was a pilot in the air force and then he flew for the airline he told, he told to us that the reason he joined the Air Force was because he did want to be uh, in the airlines, but he figured, why should I have to pay all that massive amount of money when I can just uh, go through the military? He can also get paid for it, and then he can just transfer out after his years of service are done. It really exactly. is a great deal. And right. he did go to the Royal Military College of Canada, and he probably got paid. I'm not sure if the starting salary, what it was then, but you're still gaining. You're not losing. Exactly. Um, And another big selling point is that in the military, you also get a housing allowance. So when you move to a new base anywhere in the world, or when you're getting stationed somewhere else, the military will pay not only for you to move, they'll pay for you to hire a moving company, but they will give you an allowance that you are allowed to spend on a house. And that's on top of the 12,000 per year that you made in the academy. So again, there's another reason you're essentially getting a free house from the military great deal that's why not like it's just another thing on top of getting paid right well adding on to that almost immediately a member of the military will be stationed somewhere all over the world now in canada we don't have as many international bases but if you join the u.s military yeah they have bases all over the world and if you're going through as a pilot you'll graduate as an officer so you won't be an enlisted man you would be an officer and you'd have much more say over where you can actually go again this is a major selling point you get to travel the world instantly for sure that's yeah you could especially you could go anywhere yeah, you could go anywhere. You could head. You could, if you're American, for example, you could head up to Canada. You could go to you could go to Europe, Guam, if you really want to the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah, and um, a lot of people have told me they say, "Oh, don't join the military. You don't have a say in where you go." Um, sure, you don't have like a definitive. You say, "I want to go there," then you go there. But it's sort of similar to the airline where you bid on where you want to be positioned. And then based on seniority, you are selected for that position. So considering, again, you would be an officer after graduating, you do have fairly decent chances of getting stationed where you want to. For sure. And just to clarify, that's for both Canada and the U.S. After you go through their mm-hmm. university, you're an officer in both. So, Yep. Now, another thing is that military pilots are typically paid better. 
So I did look this up before we filmed this, but on average, the starting salary for a U.S. Navy pilot is about $66,000 a year. So you're getting double for pretty much having less debt. You'll have zero debt at all, and you're getting double the money. For sure. Again, I'm not sure if the numbers change throughout years of experience, but the starting uh, well, price... I, I'm pretty sure yeah, they do debt. go up. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, starting price at $66,000 or starting salary, I should say, at $66,000 with absolutely zero debt. You're not going to have a penny of debt after going through the military. It's pretty obvious to see why so many people are picking this route. Now, one final thing that we did want to mention that uh, it doesn't really get brought up as much is that military pilots, they do have, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to word this, but a lot of people think of them as being cooler than an airline pilot. Like a lot of people say that, oh, I want to be um, a fighter pilot. Like that's the one thing I have my heart set on, or it's like on their bucket list to one day fly in a fighter jet. So to get paid to do that is pretty great. A lot of people instantly try and apply for the military. Now, I think we should say right now, it is a lot harder to get into the military than the airline because obviously the military wants to make sure they have the best pilots in the world flying for them. But if you get in, if you are given the option between the military and the commercial business, a lot of people are choosing the military. Yeah, right. I remember in one of our previous episodes, I can't remember his name now we interviewed a helicopter pilot a while back i remember he said that it was easier to become a doctor than to become a helicopter pilot in the military in the rcaf i completely agree with that they have the they have the program and in canada like they don't and obviously it's more like i guess people would prefer to become a lot of people like i i feel like i feel like a doctor is a more favored job than because you have to really be passionate for a pilot but a lot of people are pushed into doctors so Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are people who are going to say, oh, I don't want to join the military or they're pacifists and they choose not to uh, or they don't condone the military. But if you are not one of those people, if you are an outside observer who has no biases whatsoever and you're looking in and you're saying which one you think is better and you're given an option, it's pretty obvious that the military is a much better option. For sure. Mm-hmm. Now. With all also, that said, I want to add on to that. Sorry, sorry for interrupting you, but real quick, I want to add on to that. That all this, these aren't um, percentages from the from the Air Force. I don't want to mention that for people who don't want to go into the military simply because it's dangerous. I just want to mention real quick: ten um, percent of jobs in the U.S. military, for example, ten percent of jobs are actual combat roles, which is you know very low. Mm-hmm. Well, I think though, point. considering we're talking about pilots. They right. are obviously going to be on the front lines, but a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the technology that the U.S. military has and even the Canadian military. Yeah, it is a lot less likely that a pilot is going to get shot down or they're going to be involved in an accident. Of course, things like that still do happen, but it is much less likely than it was, say, in 1950. It would be much more common to get shot down back then. The U.S. has never lost a single F-15 to enemy fire. In fairness, though, the F-15 hasn't been used that much. And it's also true, yes. Um, Now, with all that said, we have a whole bunch of reasons of what is causing the pilot shortage. And at this point, you're probably saying, why would I want to become a pilot at all? Well, we're going to be explaining what can be done to combat this pilot shortage. So first of all, we can lower the standards for becoming an airline pilot. 
this one I think though we can right away uh, take off the table because I have to admit <laughs> I I don't like going up in a plane and you know not knowing that my pilot's a good guy I, I want to make sure he actually knows his stuff so I, I think right now it's pretty reasonable what they ask of a pilot but I think they should um, they should increase the pay for younger pilots. I'm not saying they need to be making as much as like a doctor or a lawyer, because obviously, yeah, those go through uh, much more schooling. You have to have much higher marks, but you would think they should at least make more than just higher than minimum wage. That seems like it'd be fair to increase their pay. I agree with that hundred percent. Like at least make the starting price look like it's worth to go through all that debt and schooling. But I don't know, like what, like, I feel like not, like the standards are fine, but make the cost like of all this stuff a little lower. And that leads to the other part of saying flight schools uh, should be run by the airlines themselves. And I hope that would lead to costs of these, this flight time and renting all this aircraft and equipment and fuel and all of that. I hope that lowers the cost of uh, all the stuff that they have to do because it's just insane of how much they have to pay just to be paid minimum wage. Well, that, that is um, a big thing that has happened recently. A lot of big airlines, like for example, I know Lufthansa had this, but they have it set up like the military where you go through, but then you're committed to serving with them for a certain amount of years. So you'll go through, they'll 100% pay for all of your flight training, all of that, you get all your licenses, but then you're required to work a certain number of years for them. Obviously, this is a much better deal, though, than going and paying for it yourself. So um, I also think it's better than the military if you're dead set on being an airline pilot. Like, yeah, if you want to be in the military, go be in the military. That's your choice. But if you are dead set on being an airline pilot, I'd recommend you look into flight schools run by the airlines before you look at the military. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, that just about brings us to the end of our time tonight. But before we leave, we would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible by the 102 Squadron Air Cadets. Due to the pandemic, we have been unable to do our normal fundraising this year. So instead, we made a squadron cookbook. All three of us are members of the cookbook committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. This book contains recipes from almost every cadet, officer, and member of staff. Books are available for pre-order now and can be found on the 102 Squadron website under the Announcements tab where there is an order form. These books go towards supporting one of the best youth programs in Canada, and we cannot recommend them enough. For sure. And- they, are, they are just, that's our main fundraiser for this year. And, uh, you know, if you, if you live in Barrie and can pick it up curbside, it's $15. And if you don't live in Barrie, if you live anywhere... I think it's only canada or well uh, it's only ontario actually you can on, only order ontario. through ontario but yeah uh, still it's a very good book tells the story of probably what i think is the greatest organization in canada for youth um and i would just recommend you go and buy one now with all of that said we'd like to once again thank you for listening to the Ave geeks podcast goodbye and we'll see you next time have a good have one a good one